Hello and welcome to the Into the Desert podcast, the podcast where we talk to inspiring people and hear their stories of motivation, courage, drive, productivity, and how their environment dictates their performance. Today's guest is Simon Tompkins. I've had the pleasure of knowing Simon for many years now through the corporate world, and he has latterly, in the last few years, changed over to become a life coach, specializing in empowering people to create work-life harmony. Great to have you here, Simon, today. Um, how have you found 2022 so far? Big yeah. question to open. Big question. Uh, yeah, good to be here. Really good to be here. Um, it's been a huge year. It's been a massive year for me. I think, um, you know, I started off in January in Fuerteventura in the Canary Islands, which was a surf trip um, with a person I met last year who really inspired me and, and a couple of new people. And I just finished reading a book, The Monkey Sold His Ferrari. Uh, I had an amazing kind of 10 days in Fuerteventura and I was on the edge of wanting to quit my job and go full-time into coaching. The conversations we had, the combination of the conversations and that book and the way it was impacting me and my thinking at the time led to me handing in my notice, uh, going full-time on coaching, moving out of London and yeah, just really accelerating and growing this business. So it's been, it's been pretty big. Been a big year and obviously yeah. it's brought you to Dubai. It has eventually brought me here, yeah, um, which I didn't foresee, but I've got the freedom to to work from pretty much anywhere right now. I'm only constricted by by time zones um, and, and my sister lives out here, so I just wanted to come and spend some time with her really. So I've been out here about five weeks just oh. hanging out with my sister, which has been amazing. Yeah. Enjoying the sun and getting away from the rain in the UK. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. yeah. And that book, like you say, it's a, it's a fantastic book, isn't it? Is that one of your favourite books at the moment, do you think? Uh, it was it was a big, it was a few books that have kind of impacted my life in a massive way, and that was definitely one of them. Um, you know, it gave me, it seeded the idea for me that to really succeed, I needed to throw myself in at the deep end, which is odd because that's actually not exactly what the book talks about. You know, it talks about a high-performing lawyer who has a heart, heart attack and and realizes that he needs to change his life. So it does feed into work-life harmony and what I do for coaching because he realized that the quality of his life is more important than, than the wealth that he was accumulating. Um, but within it, there's a lot of different amazing positive messages. And partly it's about just living a life that really aligns with your values, who you are and the impact that you want to have on the world. And that you don't, you know, you don't need to wait. You don't need to wait to do that. You just need to be that person now. So that seeded the idea for me of just, okay, I might not be ready. Financially, might not be in the perfect situation. I might not be in the perfect situation in terms of fully prepared, fully resourced, but that doesn't matter. I'm just going to go all in. And, and so, so that's what I ended up doing. And it has, it proved, it's proven to, to work for me. So Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's a really interesting book for you to have brought up because when we worked together, we were in the corporate world and it almost resonated with the book, right? We were working in a fairly high pressure role you know, there was there was the month the monthly salary coming in, which is nice, and obviously you can work your way up. Mm -hmm. But actually, ultimately, you made a decision to make a change. Yeah. You know, during was it twenty twenty? You decided to really really think about um, moving to become self employed and how you can help other people. Yeah, I guess exactly. I mean that that is the trap really of the corporate world, the nine to five, the salary, all of those things is there, and it's something that I help people with now not necessarily that everyone has to quit their jobs and work for themselves but that that we need to be just aware and conscious of you know what we might be giving up in the name of 
stability and the comfort of a paycheck. And yeah, when we met, I was you know managing two teams for for, for the company, and I was enjoying that 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 role. I actually found it rewarding. I got to manage and coach people, which is what I always loved doing. Um, but it was still holding me back and limiting me. But it's very easy not to see that, you know, because of because of like I say, the the lure of the that monthly salary, that that health insurance and the pension and all those things that kind of just keep people in place and keep us comfortable. Um, but when we're comfortable, we're not really growing, or we're not growing as much as we could. So, yeah, it's relevant. It's relevant. But definitely, absolutely, and like you say, really, the the grass is always greener, isn't mm-hmm. it? So in this corporate job, you know, you've got everything in place that you think could be beneficial to you as your as a life you know your family you've got this money coming in but potentially like you're mentioning there you haven't got that harmony between life and and your social life so maybe you also think what's the next thing i can do can i become self-employed and you know like we have both done um but actually there's a lot of challenges there as well so you know from your business and your perspective what are the challenges you've faced since you've become self-employed and left that security albeit not perfect environment of of the normal nine-to-five that's a good good question. I think um, I think that one of the it's kind of relevant both to me and the people that I coach is there's a big difference when you coach people that are employed or coach people that have their own business. The implications are different. Um, both groups of people can struggle with work-life balance and you know learning to switch off in the evenings and um, focus on on what they want to do outside of work but when you're self-employed there is more there's more it feels like there's more pressure on you because if you stop working or if you you know don't sort of succeed then the money will stop coming in and that's so they're they're different pressures they're different um for me so that's been interesting to experience that i guess and and i've had to learn to practice what i preach in terms of the, the techniques that people can use to switch off and create and keep balance in life. You know, it's really, really important to take breaks and to make time and space for your passions, your hobbies and your relationships and things outside of work. So that's been a good challenge. Um, and I think, I think, I guess the, it's both a blessing and a curse is that you get to, you're in full control. So that's an amazing, liberating thing. You can do whatever you want with the money in your business. You can invest it where you like. All the decisions are yours to make. But that does come with more pressure, the feeling of more pressure, right? Am I doing this right? What will happen if I get this wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely, isn't it? It's just so true, isn't it? That You think it's going to be easy and the money's going to roll in, but actually you've got to become, you know, especially when you start out, you've got to become every single facet of a business. You become a marketing manager, you know, a head of operations. You become everything. It's really interesting to hear, actually. I know that you're really busy in your business. You've got, you know, you're nearly up to the, the limit of clients. Yeah. Um, you're that popular. And, uh, you know, we often speak about the 80-20 principle where uh, 20% of the things that you're doing are reaping 80% of the rewards. And you mm. have to think about that in a lot of different elements when you're working, but also in social life when you're, you know, doing a lot of things. So for you, how do you stay productive? What are the, what are the tips that you have for productivity as a, as a solopreneur in 2022? Um. I guess productivity is an interesting one. Like we, we, we all have the same amount of time. That's what we've got to remember. Everyone on the planet has 24 hours in a day, um, 168 hours in a week. We're all awake for roughly 105 of them. 
Um, so all we get to do is decide how we use that time, right? That's really what productivity is. Where do we put our energy? It's how well we can leverage and utilize not really the time, but our other resources to make the most of the time. Um, so, so being conscious, being mindful, I think, just something I help my clients do benefits us in all areas of life. I guess one of the big, the big um, ways that that links in with productivity is the more mindful you are, the more you can decide consciously how am I spending my time, and realize when you're falling into patterns of behavior that don't serve you. You're doing things because unconsciously you think you're sure you're scared of what will happen if I don't do these things. But are they actually adding to my business? Are they growing my business? And the more conscious you can become, the more you can really decide consciously how to spend my time. You know, like perfectionism, for example, it's very easy to spend a lot of time. That's something I can have a tendency to do is like making things look perfect, the perfect Instagram post, the perfect email to a client. But actually not everything needs to be perfect. It needs to be good enough to create the result that you want. So, so I think being conscious of how we're spending our time and I, I review my time I review my day at the beginning of every day. I look at my tasks. I decide, does, do I actually need to have all those things there that I put there? I decide what I'm going to do consciously so it's not, I don't just get into this autopilot where I'm, you know, just sort of doing stuff without assessing it first. And then at the end of the week, reviewing, uh, reviewing what worked, what didn't work, and what I could do better next week. I think those are good, good things. We do a similar thing, actually, in our business. We've got, you know, non-negotiables for the week. We've got quick ticks, tasks, projects, and it's all laid out. Because I think, you know, in a business, it's very easy to become busy for the sake of being busy, mm -hmm. which is not productive. It's not high-value tasks, you know. And, and I think we've spoken before about we should be focusing on the high-value tasks. And the yeah. low-value tasks, we can, we, can, we can get help with them. There's other people that can help us with these tasks. But the high-value ones and the, the creative mindset and the actual vision for where the business should go, um, and that some of the true value it has to come from you and it has to be your main goal almost every day, doesn't mm -hmm. it? You have to yeah, really absolutely. be committed and we often hear the, the phrase prolific, not perfect. You know, mm -hmm. It's better to put you know, very, you know, good content out there so everyone can see you, everyone can mm -hmm. find you than one piece of perfect mm -hmm. content a week or a month because you know, although that might look better, people are going to forget you, especially in this market where you know, the scrolling technology that we have, people go straight past you all the time and, and uh, it makes... You know, it makes you become less less um, obvious to the market, I guess, mm. less prevalent. 100%. You know, we're both big fans of uh, James Clear, right, the author of Atomic Habits. Uh, I can't remember his exact quote, but he makes a, an amazing point about how we have to give up good uses of time in order to use time in great ways, right? There's lots and lots of things you can look at on your to-do list and go, well, that, that's good, that should be there, that's good. There's lots of good things, actually, but it's about giving up things that could be good or could have a good result in order to spend more focus and energy on things that will have an amazing result, which is quite interesting because, yeah. you know, traditionally you go, well, that's a rubbish task or that's a good task. But actually, it's about these are really good tasks. But ultimately, what, what's an even more important task? What's a more amazing task that's going to leverage yeah. bigger results? It's difficult to do that. It's easier said hard. than done, isn't it? It's, it, is. <laughs> it's really it hard. Absolutely is. Yeah. Exactly. So, do you do you still work in the normal work week? So, on a Monday morning, you do sort of a review, and then on a Friday, you do a debrief, or do you work because you're more fluid? You can do do it in different ways. Obviously, you're traveling a lot, and you've got different clients around the world. Yeah, I mean, my my um, you know, that's that's been 
one of the, I guess, the challenges is the last four months I've basically been on the road. I, I, I've been remote. I left London, spent a few weeks in Devon with my parents, and I, I went to Berlin, saw a friend there, a fellow coach and colleague for a couple of weeks, worked from Berlin, came back, and went off to Greece for two months. So I've been in different time zones. I've been moving around, and now I'm obviously out in Dubai. So that's, that's meant my, my, my environment's changed, which I know is obviously relevant for, for what we'll be talking about. But uh, my routines had to flex and change. But one thing I've tried to keep pretty constant is I, I tend to not to have any meetings on a Wednesday. So in the middle of that week, it gives me a whole day, you know, where I can just, I can either go and switch off and, and relax and, and explore and, you know, allow my mind to go be free and be creative, or I can just get stuck into longer term projects and things that I want to work mm. on without the pressure of having to log on to calls and do meetings or do coaching. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's, that's the luxury of running your own businesses. You can build in things like that, which, which, which can make a massive difference. So. Exactly. It's whatever works for you as well as at the end of the day, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. It's really interesting that you touch on, on London there and the environment because, you know, when I last saw you a couple of years ago, actually, we, uh, you were living in London, which is obviously yeah. a place that, you know, you can get really wrapped up in the, the work life if you're not careful with your, with your balance. And there's a lot of stress there. It's quite a, you know, a pressured environment. And then obviously you left and you left your corporate job and you went traveling. So mm. I'd love to know um, what happened to make that change in your mind that said, I'm going to leave this world. I'm going mm. to go explore new cultures, open up my, my mindset and, and really take on some experiences. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I basically was 29. I think I turned 29, I guess. And I thought, well, this is the last year of my 20s. And all through, you know, I thought I always wanted to go traveling for an extended period of time. I've done some great adventures, great trips uh, to different parts of the world, but it'd been, you know, three weeks in length, kind of maximum. And I'd always wanted to do that. And I had been swept up in career. I'd been swept up in, in my life in London, which is very busy and fun and lots going on and my, my career. Um, and I just decided I, I'm not going to, I'm not prepared to, to leave my twenties having not done that so I then had a year and, and with my partner at the time I agreed you know we've got a year to kind of put the plans in place get our finances and everything in, in order to to go so I handed in my notice and um and before I before I turned 30 and I was sort of 30 it was um January 2019 headed off for the mm. round the world, world trip which turned out to be about 14 months and it was incredible it was life-changing but it was just me I guess doing something that aligned with with my values and who I am and what I believe in, and that's something that I think is very important, you know, for life and something I help my clients do again to live a live a life that aligns with your values and the things that are really important to you. It can, of course, be really scary and hard to do that because the the cultural norms and society's pressures are, you know, don't don't necessarily align with the things that we really want to do or the things that. Yeah, I mean, value, so. that's really interesting to hear you say you're, you're vocalizing there the pressure that I think is really common in the UK. You know, we often feel as we come towards our mid to late 20s, the pressure of, of 30. Mm. You know, people are saying by 30, maybe our, you know, our parents and the generations before us, there's a lot of pressure to have a really stable career, mm. potentially married, kids, settled down by 30. So then almost you should think about the next generation. But really, mm. you know, especially in this world where people are living longer, you've not done everything by 30 mm. nowadays. It's really, really inspiring to hear you say, you know, 29, yes, you felt the pressure of, you know, our parents and society, but actually you said, 
I'm going to go and, and mm. explore my values and, and you know explore new environments and see where it takes me. Yeah. And so then, which what bit there sparked you on that trip, or was it after that trip to then become a, a life coach? Was it that trip that did that? It's uh, where people ask me this quite a lot. Um, you know, when did you have that moment? I yeah. didn't have a moment. It was a very organic thing for me. Um, I think a lot of a lot of people have a story. A lot of coaches have a story that they were doing their career, they weren't fulfilled by it, and then they had this moment. Maybe they even had coaching themselves and realized they wanted to be a coach. It wasn't like that for me. I was interested in people for a young age. I think it all started when I was a magician, when I was 18, and I used to perform magic. And through that, I got into the psychology of misdirection um, and NLP and suggestion and how you can influence people subliminally. I got really into body language. As I went into my sales career, um, that was all super relevant. You know, how do I build rapport with people and trust and, and, and build, build um, you know, different ways to, to be able to influence people and, and, and that kind of thing. So when I became, when we met, you know, I was managing quite a lot of people. And at that point, I just saw my role as to help these people improve themselves on a personal level. And that would bring the results in, the, in their job, in their work. And, and, I, and I just loved that. I felt massively fulfilled by leading people. You know, it was a big point in my life when I was sort of 26 or 27, I got given the first team. And, and then um, when I went off around the world for 14 months, I had a lot of time and space to, to, to reflect, a lot of time to read and study and, and more and more psychology. I then came back, COVID lockdown one happened. And I had, um, again, what was obviously really tough at the time for many, many other reasons. I was didn't I didn't expect to come back from a round the world trip and be unemployed, not able to get a job. But I used that opportunity to study um, coaching and more psychology and um, to do some different things that that took me down this path. It just kind of felt natural, felt right for me. Um, I don't actually. I remember thinking, did I want to consult with businesses on how to manage their sales teams and how to help salespeople feel more fulfilled by what they do, which will then make them more effective at sales, or did I want to go down the route of working with people one by one? I think in the future I'll end up doing a, a blend of both, to be honest, as, as my business evolves. But it was just an organic thing. Mm. But I guess being free of a nine to five, being free of um, all of the things that we have in our normal busy lives and just being off, you know, traveling through Asia and Australia and New Zealand, all those different massive, vast places with a lot of time allowed me to kind of move into that. Sounds amazing. I mean, you know, so what you're saying really is that the environment massively dictated your mindset, which then transformed your performance and your your lifestyle going forward because you, you already had this desire to help people, which is where mm -hmm. we really aligned, you know, my the business that we have and what I've studied is all people first. I really believe, I think very similarly to you, that people have to come first. Very Richard Branson-esque that if you put the people first, they'll look after the business or they'll look after the, 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 the um, relationships. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's really resonating in what you're saying. It's really linking. Um, mm -hmm. So to be able to go to these different places, open your mindset up, really explore your values, but then see from that, you know, these environments, potentially you could bring them back, which is what effectively we do. You know, we're looking at how people can benefit from their environment being transformed and how that inspires you and gives you more clarity and efficiency. Um, and, and so did you have any anywhere on that trip that you really, I know you said you didn't have like an epiphany of the business, but anywhere that you thought, 
I should bring this culture or this you know um, environment back to my coaching, not necessarily to install you know a, a, an environment, but to install a mindset in someone as part of your coaching to say, I've seen this work. This could help you here, but mm. it's not being done currently. You know, I think there were so many things. It sure. would be hard <laughs> to pick one. It would be, I mean, it was like, I have to bring Vietnamese coffee back into my life, for example, right? So there was, there was small things, but there was also, you know, a lot of cultures I saw where family was really, um, was really kind of prioritized more. Um, yeah, particularly in Asia, you would just see families sit around huge tables together, so much more than you would in the UK, particularly in London. And that's like bringing back that value, bringing that back into my life and remembering the importance of it and bringing it back into the lives of the people that I coach. Now, when I talk about work-life harmony, I talk about making time for, you know, all of the important things in our life. Work is just a part of life. Then we've got our family, we've got our relationships, we've got our friendships, you know, we've got a whole host of things. So I brought back different values from around the world and um, different approaches to life. And I think, again, it's in a lot of different cultures where material things are um, not not so kind of prized because you know people have less of it. There's you know it's more about making the most of of um, life and focusing more on friendships, family, like experiences, and and so that was just a good a good kind of um, reminder of, of what really matters in life and to try and bring that back into the world. So I think I let go of needing so many things mm. myself, you know, like um, it's so easy again in a culture like, like London. And these days for all of us, we've got things like Amazon. We've got all these things that we can just have at the, literally the click of a button or a credit card is, is already progr- is already loaded in and we can just buy stuff. Right. And I think I buy less stuff than I used to and I need less things than I used to um, because things don't make us happy ultimately they just don't Absolutely. so um, so there was a lot of a lot of things that helped me just reconnect and bring that to people that I work with yeah. I mean one of the best James Clear quotes that I, I've heard from him is uh, the, the observant person finds many teachers and you know it really sounds to mm. me it's quite powerful that you what you're saying that you know, you went there, you, you've looked around, you've brought it back, but actually because you don't want these material things, you want to, um, you want to take on experiences and, and grow your mindset, you know, you almost can get rid of these things around you that you don't anymore need. It's not, they're not important anymore because you can have them if you want, Yeah. but actually you want to grow yourself. And, and it's actually really, it's awesome to hear you talk about work-life harmony mm. because I don't think people understand very often what that means. Mm. Work-life balance is very different, right? Yeah. Maybe you want to explain more yeah. than me, you know, more than me. About oh, I'd love to see you have a go. Yeah. It, might, <laughs> it might help me. Um, it's, uh, yeah, work-life harmony. When I, when I started coaching, I was just coaching anyone I could at the beginning, um, you know, friends, friends of friends, yeah, even some family, just to practice coaching, just to get better and better at, at the techniques and, and at my listening and questioning and and all that kind of thing. But I rapidly found, I coached a few people that were struggling with work-life balance. They were overworking. And but what I realized was it was more than just work-life balance. Right? Work-life balance implies that you're not working too much so you have enough time to live. But it, it kind of like represents like a trade-off between work versus life. And the less you, the less you work, the more you can live. Um, but work-life harmony is about feeling fulfilled 
as well as balanced in your life. You're fulfilled by your work and you're fulfilled, importantly, by the things outside it. So many of those first people I coached that were struggling with overworking and even my clients today say something along the lines of, what's the point of me closing my laptop on time in the evening if the most productive thing I'm going to do is go and watch some Netflix? And I'm like, well, yeah, I agree with that. What is the point? But if the most productive thing you're going to do is something that is massively rewarding and fulfilling, some kind of hobby or passion or art or something that you're excited by and that brings meaning to your life, then there's a real incentive to close your laptop on time. And that doesn't mean that you don't want to be motivated and driven by your career, but it's about being fulfilled by that career and fulfilled by the stuff outside of work so that you prioritize both things. You keep them in balance. But they, but they both energize you. Not that you just do a job and you work very long hours at it because of, you know, because you're not really sure what else you'd be doing if you weren't doing that. But you know, you want to do something productive, and society expects you to work hard. So, work-life harmony is a fusion of balance and fulfillment, basically, in your work and in your life. I love that. I think that's so powerful. Yeah. You, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just work for the sake of it and gather money and you know. It, what you're saying there to me resonates massively in that you should enjoy every aspect of your life. Mm. And you've spoken to you before about not having that Sunday feeling. Mm. That is how you know you've got that harmony, you know, right? So yeah. you, you don't have that Sunday night feeling of dreading Monday because actually you love every aspect of your life. Mm. Um, and I think that's really powerful. And a lot of people don't understand that. So yeah. it's really, really cool that you've just explained that. Um, I th- I'm sure there's another um, James Clear quote that's come to mind. I've just, it's just slipped now, but there's another one around that, which I think is... Really, oh, here we go. Comfort and luxury are deemed the chief requirements of life, but all we really need to be, all we really need, is to be enthusiastic about something, mm. right? And so you're talking about balancing, balancing that, right? Enthusiasm yeah. for work, enthusiasm yeah. for your social life, for your hobbies. Yeah, so powerful, you know. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, comfort and luxuries, like pleasure, doesn't create happiness. Again, right? And if it's like the the philosophy of Buddhism is that you know, if we, it is through the, it is through seeking pleasure that we suffer because, because it's only in craving for something to be a certain way that we can suffer when it isn't. If we let go of that and we're not, we're not craving pleasure or we're craving anything, then we can't suffer if we don't have it. And the thing is, the way society is structured and the way it works is that we are, we're all encouraged to pursue things all the time. Job titles, things, possessions, experiences. So people are always suffering because there's always something else that you can't have. You know, you might, and you might get that pay rise, but then after no time at all, that becomes normal and you want the next one and you're going to suffer until you have it or the bigger house or the, you know, the flashier car. Um, or, you know, there's, there's a million examples, but um, yeah, so I, th- I think that's really, really important. It's like when you're working towards a purpose, in this life, you you know that fulfills you. That that brings you true fulfillment and happiness from the inside, and all of the stuff on the outside you don't need. Absolutely, you know, I I, I really hear what you're saying. And interestingly, actually, I actually wrote an article this week um, on comparison being a thief of joy. You know, the Roosevelt um, mm-hmm. speech, and mm-hmm. there was another uh, phrase in there from the Appalachian Trail, which is really quite well known in the hiking community, which is hike your own hike. You know, don't don't look around at what everyone else has because if you focus on what you've got, you'll be happy. You don't need to compare. You know, have your enthusiasm, have your harmony. 
bring it together and focus on you and your family and what makes you happy. And I think that's uh, I think that's really important for people. And, you know, it's really um, I think it's really inspiring to hear what mm. you're saying because mm. people need to hear it, especially in this year in 2022 going into 2023, especially where we're from in the UK. It's really um, it's a really tough environment right mm. now. Mm. People need to hear this. You know, put some investment into themselves and and understand how they can yeah. improve their life. A hundred percent. And that comparison thing is, you know, that's a, it's a really important one. It's a, it's also a, a difficult one. It's a challenge. Like the world is, the world is just, you know, we're so globalized now that, that when we're comparing ourselves, which is kind of a natural thing to do, we are comparing ourselves against 7 billion people because, you know, if you just go back at even just a couple hundred years, you'd be comparing yourself against the people in your village or your borough or your local community, maybe a few hundred people. So you're, whatever you're comparing, the way you, the way you look or your abilities or your size of your business or your assets or any of these things, you're only comparing against a small pool of people. And so people could generally feel quite good about themselves because there weren't, you know, weren't these, there weren't thousands of people that were better than them. But now you compare yourself to the world because you see it through social media. So the top, per, you know, the people that are performing the best or have the best or are the best or doing the best in certain areas, they all become visible through things like through media and through, through social media. And then you see it. So you're now comparing yourself, not just to the few hundred people you know, but the best person you know, in your country or, the, or, or in the world. You're like, if you thought you were you know, really great at this, but then all of a sudden there's, there's all the best people, you'll see them and, and, you, and you don't feel good about yourself. So it's, it's, um, it's a tough one. That, the comparison game. Um, I'm not. I'm not going to go any further with that. No, exactly. <laughs> you can do the coaching. If you yeah, exactly. Yeah, further yeah, all day. <laughs> I've got some some quick thoughts. I want to go through yeah. uh, through with you. Um, these are sort of quicker questions. I think that's really re- relevant to what we're talking about this mm. on this podcast. Um, so you know, the idea of being into the desert is the idea of of going somewhere outside your comfort zone, going somewhere the desert, which is inhospitable, but trying to achieve trying mm. to um, better yourself in whatever walk of life or whatever meaning that, that takes for you. Mm. Um, and to do that, obviously, we have to have courage. We have to have inspiration, drive. We have to understand productivity and understand the best path for us. Um, so a few tips for people, I think, um, which you could give, and one of them being just a book recommendation. You know, you've already mentioned, we've mentioned Atomic Habits by James Clear, mm. mentioned mm. Uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Do you have another one that you think people could read and, and sort of resonates with what we're talking about? Yeah, um, one of the one of the books that changed my life. Um, it's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Incredible book. I mean, seven habits in that book. Um, I use and reference all of them. You know, with with my in coaching in in all parts of my life, I use them myself. I was I was actually listening to that book as an audio book when about the time when we met and and using that with my sales team that I managed and and myself and. One of the habits in there is put first things first. And I think that's very relevant to this because it talks about living a life based on your values, establishing your values, and then prioritizing things based on those values. And, and, and what that means is that when you do things, they're fully aligned to you and you're actually completely, you're motivated by those things intrinsically. You know, you're motivated by the, the way it will make you feel inside um, rather than than the, the stuff on the outside, the external rewards or prizes. So, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, incredible book. 
and I just would say on a book recommendation, it's one thing reading a book, but you can read a book, put it down and forget about it. You, you, if you really want to benefit, like read less books, but, but read them, take notes on them, revisit them, come back to them, you know, underline your favorite bits, fold the pages over, like absorb them, study them, use them as manuals, not just a, a bedtime read and then forget about it. I literally watched a video this morning by uh, Alex Hormozzi, and he was saying he's getting fed up of people saying, I've read 12 books this yeah. year or 24 books this year. Mm. He said, if you, if you can't tell me what you learned from that book, or not just one thing, a lot of things yeah. you should have learned from the book and implemented them, what was the point? Yeah, agreed. It's, not, it's not powerful, right? So if you can read one or two books and make meaningful changes, it's way more beneficial to you. Mm-hmm. you know? And it's becoming this, especially with Audible and audio books, becoming a bit of a competition. I'm reading yeah, 24 yeah, or 25 books a year. I'm doing one every two days. Yeah. What changes are you actually making, like you're saying? Absolutely right. Um, moving on very quickly. Uh, the second one I want to talk about, actually, is, is courage. Mm. So I put down here a recommendation for courage. Inherently, courage, or making this change to go self-employed, or you know, moving countries, traveling more, it can be seen as selfish by some people. You know, Going in self-employed, people can't relate to you as much, especially if they're in the nine-to-five job, right? They're not understanding that you're doing all these jobs and you're having to promote yourself. And you know, that takes a lot of courage to overcome you know, your, your, um, your non-supporters, your friends mm-hmm. who are like, oh, hang on, you're not doing what I'm doing and therefore I don't really like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to support you. How, do you. how do you instill courage into yourself? How do you motivate yourself and give yourself the courage to, to do these, mm-hmm. these things, make these changes, make these steps? Mm-hmm. A good question. Uh, I just want to come back to what you said about can be seen as selfish. Another thing that comes up a lot of the time, people say, my clients say, or, or, or people I'm, I'm talking to, if, if we've not yet started to work together, so we're just exploring how I could help them. And they say, I think I need to be more selfish. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be more selfish. Selfish, you know, I don't have the Oxford Dictionary definition to hand, but I have looked at it. and. When you're being selfish, it's at the, to the detriment of other people, right? It, you're, you're prioritizing your needs and you're going to negatively impact other people uh, without any consideration for them. Prioritizing yourself in life is not selfish. And we have to be really clear on that distinction because it's little beliefs like that that we have unconsciously that stop people doing things. Because they, oh, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't ask for a pay rise or I wouldn't change my job or I wouldn't, you know, in this relationship even or something like that because that would be selfish and we're all brought up to obviously believe that you don't want self being selfish is a bad thing it's important to know prioritizing yourself is not selfish you know it's like i like i just explained if you're prioritizing your needs and going about them in a proactive positive way that's just prioritizing yourself in life so that's one thing immediately which actually means that you need less courage as soon as you understand that mm-hmm. because you don't need courage to overcome this thing of, oh, now I have to be selfish. Just, I'm not being selfish. I'm, I'm just doing what I need to do in life. And I will consider other people when I do it, but I, I have to you know, follow what I want. I think two other things, two other big things is, one is the one I just mentioned, reconnect with your values and your purpose. When you are completely connected to what you, the difference you want to have in the world or the things you really care about, the causes that you care about, um, that gives you huge motivation, unwavering drive and determination. Massive, massive thing. Not 
I'm going to start this business to get a passive income and make loads of money. That's that's you know that's external extrinsic motivation. You need something deeper. I'm going to start this business and make a massive impact because I care about you know the climate, or I care about people, or I care about these specific group of people, and that's going to motivate me for the next forty years. And I hope I get wealthy and you know generate massive success in the process. But I'm doing it for this cause I care about. That's one. The other one is just to remember and put into context the worst case scenario. People even say, you know, I, I, I think I want to change industry, but I'm, I'm, I'm scared. And when we ever, we, I asked them questions, we talked, well, what's the worst case scenario? The worst case scenario is that they, they go to a different industry. After six months, they realize, oh, I don't like this industry as much as I thought I would. Um, and they're going to have to make another change. They're going to either have to come back or go on to another one. But unfailingly, they realized that actually I'd rather be in that scenario in six months where I realized, okay, I've gone to the wrong place and I don't like it, but actually I learned some new skills. Mm -hmm. I have more life experience. And most importantly, I'm not stuck where I am now. The worst case scenario is generally better than the, than the current situation you're in. And I think when you realize that in life, it's massive. And uh, a final example of that is, is for me. I quit my job at the beginning of this year to go into the world of my own business and coaching and having um, the biggest impact I could. The worst, you know, that seems scary. Everyone's like, oh my God, you're leaving the safety of your career. What if it doesn't work out? Blah, blah, blah. Worst case scenario, I just come back and I get another, you know, job in the world that I was in. And I'll probably get a better job than the one I had anyway. And I'll, I've learned a lot of things about myself. When you acknowledge that, you know, you... You can kind of do anything. You have a lot of courage. Definitely, exactly. And actually, those last two points there, to me, they, they, they I think about regret as well. Mm. You know, you're, you're more powerful if you know you're, you're, you're going to try something. Yeah. I think regret can really suppress people. If they're mm. like, I really regret not in my twenties trying that, or living abroad, or you know, buying that big car, or, or traveling somewhere. Yeah. And regret can really suppress people, and it's, uh, it's cool to hear that you talk about that. Really. Mm. Yeah. Um, the next one we're to move on to, if it's okay, is how often do you learn something new? So I think, you know, in what we do, we, we change environments in our business and we, we look at people. One of the things that's really helpful to stimulate the mind is change. Mm. So, you know, it can be changing, um, it can be, oh, sorry, it can be learning something. So it can be learning a new instrument or, you know, learning a language. It doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be for long. Mm. But is there something that you do or, um, you know, how often do you try to learn something to stimulate yourself and yeah. explore new things? Every day. Every day. every day, 100%. That's, you know, one of my, my values are um, integrity, growth, and kindness. Those are my top three values in life. Growth comes from learning. Um, we can learn in all ways. We can learn by putting ourselves in a new situation. Um, we can learn from every single person we meet. I think, it, um, I think it's Stephen Covey, um, the author of Seven Habits that I mentioned, talks about how every single person is our better in some way, and in that we can learn from them. And it's true. Every single person has something they can teach you. I learned that traveling around the world. I, I kind of learned that my whole life because I was always curious in people about people. So I would ask questions and I would learn. Um, yeah, you know, another one, Gandhi, live as if you were to die tomorrow, learn as if you were to live forever, right? We, we should never stop. We should never stop learning. It's fulfilling and, uh, and, and just so important. It just brings so much to our lives. So I try and do it every day, constantly, uh, you know, Anywhere I can, you know, I've learned lots of things from you recently off our conversations, and 
and I just I find that as like a way of being for me. It's a way of life. I think the the idea around so everyone can teach you something, everyone's better than you at something is fantastic. I always think about that. Yeah. Because you know, it's so true. It is so true. You know, you might meet someone who you think is very equal to you in their job or whatever they're talking about, and then they can speak five languages. You know, you never know what someone can teach you. But like you said, there's always something. And actually to me, I'm wary of the person who thinks they're better than me, mm-hmm. you know, because they haven't got that self-awareness to think, what can I learn from this person? Mm-hmm. And to me, that makes makes me think, this is this is not the right person for me. I don't resonate with that person. I don't want to explore that person as much, you know. I'll try and still learn from them, because I'm sure, you know, they do know more than me about certain things, but equally, if they're not, if they don't have that same mindset of, you know, openness, mm-hmm. I, I find them almost, um, you know, someone I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm not interested in really. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, it's like you don't need to be the loudest person in the room, right? That's not really the goal. The goal is to is to learn from other people and to contribute when you can. But that really comes back to living consciously and awareness and, um, you know, which means not letting our ego get in the way, right? We all have an ego and it's about um, keeping that in check and realizing that anyone from, yeah, as you say, you're equal, but Anyone, no matter what their job title, their role, or their position, or their age, or anything, whatever their background or walk of life they come from, you can learn something from them, hundred percent. Even if it's something tiny, you know. Even if it's, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not naturally the most patient person. And when I was going around the world, I'd meet people that had jobs that required so much patience. You know, they they, they might have to sit on the road for the, all day and to to sell sell some vegetables or something they're just waiting for people to stop and and buy something off them and from that person i can learn patience for example right so i I think it's really important and resilience of course yeah yeah. and it makes me think actually you know back to our corporate life you know there was i've worked for a few ceos of of big companies and and some of them haven't got the time of day for you You know you're still in a position where they they should they're interested in the stuff you're you're bringing to them whether Mm. it's products or data or insight and they haven't got the time of day for you. And there's one CEO that really um, I, I think of actually that we work together and uh, who, who, it wasn't the biggest company, but I always almost felt in conversations like I was in charge. He made me feel like I could teach him something. Yeah. Which of course he has more experience than me. He has a, a much more senior job. But actually, when now we're talking about it now, you know, maybe he was just learning. He knew that he could learn stuff. Mm. And by taking that on board, it makes him a better, more well-rounded person. And actually, how did I feel? I felt empowered to speak to someone at the top of a business who maybe I had no business talking to. Yeah. I think it was really powerful. 100%. He was a great listener and, mm-hmm. and you can you can give so much more to people by listening actually than talking. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a huge thing. Exactly, exactly. And the question that I got, uh, I was mixing up there when I was reading off my laptop, which is very amateur of me, uh, is how often do you change or adapt your environment to your needs? How often do you take account of the environment that you'll find yourself in and take account of how it's impacting you and your business and make a change. Yeah, um, this this year has been a bit of an exception, um, <laughs> I guess, but I've got lots of examples. I'd, I've been in London for the majority of the last 12 years. I had a couple of stints in Devon, um, which is great, before and after traveling, and uh, then I was around the world 14 months. But but I love London, but it's, it's you know, it's. It's too intense for what I for I want at this stage of my life. So it's, I'm I'm moving to to Bristol. I'm going to settle there. It's still got the the diversity and the the excitement of a city, but it's it's less intense and I can get out into nature more, which is amazing. I knew I needed to be 
out this summer. I wanted to be traveling. I wanted to be on the road and meeting new people and, you know, um, in the sun. So I was in Greece for two months. Um, I did come here to spend time with my sister. Um, but I think once I come back to, I'm, I'm, like I say, I'm moving to Bristol now and, and want to sort of settle into the, uh, a usual day-to-day kind of routine. For me, it's like I might work from home in the morning doing, doing coaching and then I will take myself off to a coffee shop or a bar, somewhere of energy. I like, I'm an, I'm an extrovert, so I like having the energy of people around me. You know, I will, as much as possible, make sure I get outside um, during the day, go for a walk or a cycle or something, let's get the, the fresh air and the environment of, of nature and greenery and, and birds and stuff like that around me, because it just recharges us, you know. It's, it's not quantifiable necessarily but that doesn't mean it's not important you know this it's really really good for our mind and body are so linked you know so if you're not you know everything that the amount of oxygen that you're breathing in the amount of light you're taking in the noise around you it affects your performance in a massive way 100 percent. and i think you know, for me i do my best thinking and my inspiration comes when i'm outside you know i, I can't I, I can't be creative if i'm sat at a desk mm. trying to be creative you know, I'd like to be out and about thinking about things. That's when sparks come to yeah, you, right? And yeah. it sounds like it's similar to you when you're on your motorbike out in the country lanes, when you can you yeah. can really think. You're talking about your trip to Scotland where you spend hours on this motorbike on what should be a fairly boring motorway up there yeah. before you start exploring. But actually, you've got that time with just the road noise and the, mm. the motorbike noise mm. to think and to yeah. explore your mind. Massively. It's, it's a, yeah, it's very important. Like solitude is a rare Thing these days which makes it even more precious we're hardly ever alone so i said to you the great thing about for about riding motorbikes for me is i don't listen to anything no one i can't be on my phone there is no temptation i'm just i'm just in the zone and that allows me to just think and and be and let ideas come to me you know i was bobbing around the bobbing around on my surfboard in the, in the ocean in morocco and almost exactly a year ago when some of the first ideas about coaching landed you know and came to me and i and i made some decisions then i was just you know sitting there trying to catch waves but that was going to be way more productive than sat at a desk looking at a blank screen yeah. trying to come up with ideas absolutely so, yeah it's huge absolutely do you have a, a quote i know you've done a lot of reading you're very very well read um, and traveled do you have a quote that comes to mind that that inspires you when you think of you know when you're going back to england it's going to be cold mm. wet if it wellies out even in bristol is there a quote that you often go back to and think that inspires me? That is what I'm working towards. This is why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, I think in terms of uh, why I'm doing what I'm doing, I'm not sure. I think the, the, the Gandhi quote that I shared is a huge one for me in that area. Um, I think a very important quote that, that always gives me strength um, and helps me and I use it, helps my clients is um, one from Dale Carnegie, the author of um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he says that um, he says that inaction breeds fear and doubt. Action breeds confidence and courage. And that's so true. Like, if you're scared, doubtful, not sure about your next steps, if you just don't do anything, that only builds. You know, the anxiety grows. When you start taking actions, no matter how small they are, you feel more confident, you get courage, you know. You, you make contact with a person you've been avoiding or you, you say you're worried about your finances. 
even if you just start looking at them, planning, right, what, what do I need to do? Where can I save money? Where can I make money? When you take some actions, you feel more confident, you feel better about it. But our tendency as humans can be to avoid, which is, which is dangerous. But that's a very powerful quote, I think. Yeah, it's very, very simple, but very, very powerful. It's also a very good book. It's one of the, mm. it's a couple of books that I will listen to on my Audible every year. Yeah. And that is one of them. Yeah. You know, if I put a couple of weeks aside from a holiday or if I'm commuting somewhere, mm. I will always listen to that book. It's something that I think um, it's just powerful, isn't it? It's a good mm, reminder of what you're trying to do, what you're trying to achieve, and, and actually how to do it, how to be grounded. Yeah, 100%. Perfect. So we are, we are recording this podcast on the 28th of October, 2022. We're coming to mm. the end of uh, 2022 into 2023. Um, you're going back to the UK next week? Yep, that's right. Next week. Yep. So what have you got coming up? What are your products? You're obviously moving to Bristol. You're yep. busy with coaching. What have you got coming up with the yep. uh, next adventures and, and next things for the business? Yeah, it's an exciting time. I'm moving to Bristol. Um, I'm really looking forward to kind of uh, starting a life there. Um, I've got one of my, well, my best friends lives there and, and, a, and a few other friends. And, um, and I'm just really looking forward to, like I say, establishing a base. I'm going to be doing a lot of um, public speaking. I'm going to start to be working with some businesses there. Um, I've got a lot of plans actually for, for things I want to create um, in Bristol, creating community, really building a movement around work-life harmony and, and expanding people's awareness of what that is. I, I want to, you know, my mission long term is to help millions of people live more balanced and fulfilling lives. I am five months into this business full time. A lot has happened in that time. Um, a lot of exciting stuff, but there's a lot more to come, group coaching programs, uh, memberships, speaking, all, all kinds of things. So um, yeah, it's just a, it's an exciting time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's very exciting for you. And I know that you know, you've come to some of the networking events with me here in Dubai, and I know that everyone that speaks to you is very excited by your, your mission, your goal, and your vision. Uh, and I've got no doubt that it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in Bristol. It's a great test bed or, or you know, a place to incubate mm -hmm. your ideas and, yeah. your, and your, your communities you want to build. I'm really excited to see how it, how it, how it evolves, I guess, and, yeah. and come along on the journey. The last thing I want to ask is, do you have an ask for the audience? You know, we've got people here listening to you who are probably really interested if they've stayed this long through this podcast mm. in what you're talking about. Do you have an ask or a piece of advice you could, you could impart with them? Um, yeah, I think I'm a coach. So as a coach, I ask people questions that help them get the clarity and get the ideas. I think, I think tend to tell. So I guess I would leave the audience with a question, which is one to really reflect on. And that is, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? You know, think about that deeply. What would you do in your life if you knew it would work out? And once you have that answer and that question, think about what's really stopping you. Like what's holding you back from doing that? And see where that takes you. It's a great question. And I hope we get some, uh, some answers from the audience we can share back with you and they can really think about it deeply. It's a great question. Thank Thanks. you very much for coming on the podcast, Simon. It's great to see you. And, it's been a lot uh, of fun. Yeah, Thank brilliant. You. And we'll catch up soon. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Freddie. Cheers.